HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Many people in our food community have been seriously impacted by Superstorm Sandy, and our hearts go out to them. At HRN, we've been covering these stories since the storm hit. To learn more, visit our website at www.heritageradionetwork.org. The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. And Thanksgiving has long held a tradition of preparing and giving food to the needy here in America. And now, here in New York... Um, more than ever. There are so many people, so many families affected by Hurricane Sandy. And I want to share with you an organization that is putting out a special effort to help those families in need. It's called FamilyToFamily.org. It's an organization um, to share your bounty, and it helps people all over the country and internationally, but they are putting out a special effort at this time to help those victims of Hurricane Sandy in New York, and especially now at Thanksgiving time, where people, we all tend to think about people in need. We sit down to our bountiful tables and think about those in need, and there are things that you can do to help uh, for Thanksgiving and all time. It's family-to-family.org, family-to-family.org. It provides many different options to help, uh, straight donations, volunteer work, cooking meals, and uh, you can particularly um, donate at this time to cook meals for 10 or donate money to buy meals for 10 to 14 people for Thanksgiving dinner. You can also sponsor a family. Um, not individually, you, know, you could do it individually, but they usually put together a couple different sponsors, a couple different donors uh, with a family. And you follow that family through the next few difficult months and you're in touch with them by mail or however else and, and asking, what do you need? And they can give you a list of things that they need. And through this effort, you can really have an impact on their lives and help them with things in particular that they need. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. I know here on the network we have been highlighting so many different opportunities to help, and there are many, and I just thought I would bring this one to your attention as well, familytofamily.org. And today, on A Taste of the Past, we'll be talking all about Thanksgiving. Stay tuned. (music) 
Thanksgiving, indeed. It's a holiday that is very special um, in, to many, many Americans because it, we think of it as the traditional American holiday. And it's a holiday that we think of, too, as just celebrating um, family and, um, and what we have. And a non-religious holiday, not always the case. But it is indeed a holiday that is special to so many people. And today I'm going to talk with somebody who is a, an expert, I'd like to say, in, in, thanks, in all things Thanksgiving. She is Sandy Oliver. Um, and Sandy is a food historian, a food writer. She's an authority on colonial through modern American food history. She's a producer and advocate of sustainable food and cookery in New England and the award-winning author of Saltwater Foodways and for many years was the publisher and writer for Food History News and is co-author of a book several years ago called Giving Thanks um, through her work with Plymouth Foundation, Plymouth Plantation, excuse me, and it is a history, including recipes, of early Thanksgiving. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I said that it is a holiday that we think of as being a truly American holiday and a non-religious holiday. But Thanksgivings, uh, certain types of Thanksgivings, were um, were very much English holidays in the past. Is that so? Yeah. Yes, that's right. And 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 certainly the, the religious. English has their traditional uh, harvest festivals uh, in the at the end of the growing season. Our Thanksgiving is descended from that branch of festival family with a little, uh, since it was the pilgrims, uh, the, that is the earliest, earliest settlers to uh, New England who established the holiday. There was, uh, at, at that time, a religious aspect of the holiday. They went to meeting, uh, listened to a few sermons, and then uh, had a big dinner. Mm. And it's interesting, um, and... I did a, a show a few years ago, and I think I, I basically paraphrased the first two paragraphs of your book <laughs> for my show um, because it the history is so concise and and um, so clear um, that you give the account of very much so this religious where they went to meetings all day you know like their religious meeting all day long um, and. It is re- actually more so than what people realize. It's a relatively new holiday, not hasn't been celebrated since actually 1621, although in different parts it was a New England tradition that became an American holiday. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about those roots of, of Thanksgiving? Sure. Do you want to talk about the big T Thanksgiving or the little T Thanksgivings? We have <laughs> some of each. Uh, it was the custom in the past uh, to declare thanksgivings uh, to to show gratitude for uh, almost anything that went well you could you could have a thanksgiving with a small t uh, to uh, give thanks for a rainfall after a drought you could uh, um, the end of a pestilence the end of a war or a success in a battle or anything uh, that that the governor of, of a given locality felt was worth uh, observing and, and expressing some gratitude for our big tea Thanksgiving, however, the one that, that was always held in the fall, always held um, in New England at least sometime in November or early December, that Thanksgiving 
has really long, very persistent roots in New England anyway, and and anywhere that New Englanders settled. Even as they moved west, they took the holiday with them and began to um, began to observe it in their new locations. Some states in New England, particularly Connecticut, have a really durable uh, history of it, a very solid uh, observance of, of the Big T Thanksgiving right from this, all, all through the 1700s, all through the 1800s, and into the 1900s. So it, it really um, did not become a national holiday um, until much later. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this was always declared by um, a state governor. Uh, in, in each state, got to pick the date they wanted to uh, observe it on. Uh, they sent out the proclamation. Uh, they were usually read aloud in churches uh, in, in various um, towns. Uh, I, uh, if you want to believe everything that's read, written <laughs> about the holiday, uh, the little kids knew this was coming sometime soon, They um, and they'd sit on the edge of their seats when they heard that they saw a big roll of parchment being unrolled and the proclamation read aloud in church, and they knew... You know, it wouldn't be too long with some mincemeat in the offing mm. and a celebration. So um, it was, but it had to be declared state by state by state. And it, it, in order to make it a national holiday, we needed uh, the federal government to get involved. We needed the president to get involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then we owe that to to uh, a writer and editor uh, years ago, Sarah Josepha Hale. She, I think she was the one who... Uh, she lobbied the president, Abraham Lincoln? She lobbied everybody, uh, <laughs> and finally Lincoln. She started in 1847 on that. She, you know, she's an interesting character. She, she was really the Martha Stewart of the 19th century in America, I think. Hmm. Um, she was the editor of Godey's Lady's Book, right. um, very aware of style and, and refinement and gentility and um, vigorously pursued it. She felt that um, a national holiday like this would tend to unite a country which was clearly falling apart. Well, certainly around, yeah, 1847, indeed, Civil War time. 1847, all through the 50s and into the early 60s. And then, then, uh, of course, Lincoln uh, finally picks uh, a late November day and declares it a national holiday. But, of course, not everybody in the nation... um, well, yeah, I guess the Southerners certainly wouldn't have said they were in the nation at that point. Uh, they had formed the Confederacy by that time. But, you know, the Union um, was inclined to observe Thanksgiving. Well, a feast, I mean, a feast actually did take place. There is some record of a, of a harvest feast taking place in 1621, which is, you know, what everyone pictures, the pilgrims and the Indians sitting down to the table together. But indeed, there was um, some record of a feast that took place during that time. Yes. Yes, Kathleen, my, my co-author, and I like to refer to that as as the event of 1621. The, the, the people who ate it, the, the, the settlers who sat down with the Native Americans to eat that day didn't call that Thanksgiving. Not Certainly not capital T Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the assignment of that name to that event didn't happen until much later. But um, there was, in fact, an event, and there is... One, one description of it uh, <laughs> provided for us, which, which you know, is a very slender read on the, indeed on which to hang this the whole way to this holiday. But it was it took Edward Winslow um, to uh, write a letter. 
to a friend of his in England, and, and that's the uh, famous eyewitness account, the one we have got. And that even didn't come to, to light until um, a couple hundred years or a hundred years yeah, later. Yeah, a little right? bit later, yeah, that's right. right. Interesting. Um, well, it makes for a good story and certainly good images, and <laughs> those have held true. But uh, during those early Thanksgiving celebrations, as you say, even though they were spotty and certainly New England um, celebrations, what was likely to have been on the table in those early, some of the recipes would have been on the table? We would not have necessarily seen what we see today, the stuffed turkey, right? Not, that's right, not necessarily at all. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving was was primarily a feast, so what we see on the table is festival foods, and because everybody was eating locally and seasonal, you know, seasonally in those days, there was <laughs> what, no such thing as not right. local or not seasonal. Um, the, the the core Thanksgiving meal is a, is a New England autumn meal. Uh, the uh, of course, you would have almost any kind of meat at the table. And, and if it was a big enough occasion and you had enough people there, then there probably was all kinds of meat. But um, you sh- we, can, we can figure on some kind of wild fowl. Um, we can consider pork, people in New England. I suspect New Englanders like to have their Thanksgiving after they got their butchering done. Mm-hmm. So you may very well have had some fresh pork on the table, um, maybe beef. After all, you need suet for uh, the uh, puddings and the mincemeat that accompany this meal. We'd have uh, autumn vegetables like squashes, turnips, and once we have potatoes in, in, in New England, which is really not until we see they were introduced in the 1740s, we're not going to see very many potatoes. Um, certainly sauces, very likely um, cranberries uh, made into a sauce to accompany, a sharp sauce to accompany whatever fowl was served, um, our pumpkin um, and apples and pies, mincemeat pie, plum pudding, festival food. Well, and pies. I mean, certainly and pies. Pie. You say pies, and pies have always been a big part of Thanksgiving. You recently wrote, um, in fact, in just the most recent edition of Severe Magazine, you did a, a wonderful piece on on the traditional pumpkin pie. And, pie, uh, yes, our American pie. Yes, indeed, but... <clears throat> But I wanted to talk about mincemeat. Um, mincemeat has kind of fallen out of favor. But mincemeat was something that was very much a part of um, the fall table, correct? And, mm-hmm. and explain a little bit about that, Do you, about the background of mincemeat. Yeah, I'd be happy to. It's, well, most of us don't recognize mincemeat for uh, the preserve that it is. It is a way of preserving meat uh, along with apples and other kinds of fruits. It's spiced. Um, it's also a convenience food, uh, or was. Um, when uh, butchering was completed, you, you took sort of all the, the, the scrag ends of things and the, perhaps the tongue of a, of a beef animal um, together with bits and pieces and certainly suet, cooked it, chopped it all up, mixed it with apples, uh, raisins or currants, um, citrus peel if you had some, spiced it, added uh, cider, uh, which was not always sweet cider. Right. And, um, and brandy, if you had it, and you cooked it all up uh, and uh, then packed it into a crock where it would keep really rather well, uh, and you could just make up a pie any old time you wanted one. You just had to throw together a crust, 
And I have a feeling that you know, women women cooks uh, in uh, in the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth centuries could do this sort of thing with with you know, blindfolds on one hand tied behind their back. But <laughs> you know, just throw together a crust and then scoop out the required amount to fill the pie and bake it up, and there you go. Uh, a wonderful, rich uh, filling. Again, often associated with uh, the holidays. Mincemeat, at least um, in the English tradition, was always part of Christmas. Um, and, of course, in New England, uh, the, the earliest settlers, the Calvinists, chose not to celebrate Christmas. Um, they associated it a little too strongly with, with Catholics. Mm. And so they, they sort of they, they refused to celebrate the holiday. And anybody making mincemeat right around the 24th of December so was strongly suspected of observing Christmas holidays. So, you know, I mean, it's one thing to do, to go without having Christmas, but it's a whole other thing to go without having any mincemeat. So <laughs> we just take our mincemeat and we slide it over and slam it up against Thanksgiving. That way we get our mincemeat. And, and, you know, a celebration, too. So uh, that's uh, that's why I think we're eating uh, mincemeat uh, on Thanksgiving. Well, and First, but I, it, that pathetic stuff we have today that I was comes out of a jar that... It bears no resemblance whatsoever to the original article. That's um, what I want. That's what I wanted to mention is how mincemeat has evolved or devolved or <laughs> into evolved. Right. evolved. <laughs> it's gone to all heck in the basket. I would say. <laughs> I mean, it's I just a bunch of uh, very many of your listeners have ever had the real thing. The real thing is extraordinary. It's rich and unbelievably flavorful. Flavorful. I always use mincemeat as an argument against this. Oh well, you know, Yankee cooking is so bland. Well, you know, you get a mouthful of uh, honest to God mincemeat, and there's nothing bland about it. Uh, sounds wonderful. But, uh, yeah. It was as the 19th century wore on. There was less and less and less meat all the time, and then you know, even the canned stuff. When I was growing up, even the canned stuff had some beef in it. Yeah, but it's vanished completely. Sometime in the last 20 years, I didn't notice exactly where. Or at least, yeah, or at least preserved in suet or something, you know, but now it's just... Well, the, yeah, the suet has given way to cornstarch of all uh, things. Yeah. Ugh, you know, you get so this gluey, pasty thing. Raisin cornstarch here. pie, right? <laughs> Not oh, that great. I oh. the situation, however. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there has been quite a bit of, of evolution in, in the Thanksgiving dinner, and we're going to talk about this and some more of the recipes when we come back after a short break. You're listening to Favorite Flower by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
Today's program has been brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run commercial offset print house that brings together environmentally friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Founded in 1998 by Eugene Lee and his father, Cam Lee, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and green technology. Rolling Press prints using soy and vegetable inks, uses a variety of certified and recycled papers, and they incorporate a chemical-free production process. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. We are back on A Taste of the Past, talking with Sandy Oliver from her home in Maine. And um, I wanted to mention that Sandy's newest book is Maine Home Cooking, and we're going to get to to some of those recipes and talking about that in a moment. Sandy, we were talking about um, some of the earlier recipes that might have been found on the Thanksgiving table, and even though a lot of the stories um, about plum pudding usually relate to Christmas, but plum pudding was something that was often found on a Thanksgiving table, was it not? Yes, that's right. And, yes, that's and, right. and um, described for our listeners. That? Yeah, well, that's okay. another festival food, uh-huh. another one that was associated strongly with uh, Christmas, but, you know, I'm going to ignore Christmas here in New England until the later 1800s, so we... Again, we sort of slide our favorite old plum pudding and we plop it down on the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> and so there it is. Describe and you know, a lot you know, of... don't you, Linda, that plum pudding doesn't have plums in it? Well, I know, but our listeners may not be aware of what plum pudding <laughs> is. <laughs> plum pudding is another one of these suet-laden rich things with lots and lots of raisins in it. Um, it's sweet. It's a steamed pudding or a boiled pudding. Um, mixed with breadcrumbs and uh, some sugar and lots of spices. It uh, was very often boiled in a cloth. Um, comes out looking like a, um, a cannonball. <laughs> uh, smells really good and uh, is rich with, with lots of suet. Yeah. Well, now, and understanding, too, that the hours of labor that it would take to make many of these things, because under, you know, remember they were cooking over an open hearth. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So what, keeping you know what it really is? You know, I don't think, well, I've cooked a lot on an open hearth, and I, I know possibly some of your listeners have too, and, and it's not the hearth so much, it's all that preparation. Let's just take one element of both mincemeat and plum pudding, and that is the raisins. In, the, in these early days, raisins came with the seeds still in them. They were a dried grape, which still had the seeds in it. And removing the seeds made the, the raisin more useful, uh, preferable. Well, you can imagine what would happen if you had to sit down and pick, pick the seeds out of every single dried grape you ever met. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> you don't want to go there. I mean, we, have, we buy packages now, and it says seedless raisins on it. I think most people have never met a seeded raisin right. one with seeds still in it. You can get them. You can get them, but, um, but why? nobody wants those. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Interesting. So it's, it's all that preparation. It's, <laughs> you know, if you're going to get some suet, you have to slaughter a beef critter. <laughs> well, and even finding suet is even a difficult thing to do sometimes in some, in oh, some markets, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, and talk about commercialization. I mean, you know, with you know, the packaged raisins and, and pre-cooked Thanksgiving dinners. Commercialism has a big place in in setting that date of Thanksgiving. There was an event that occurred. You want to tell us about Franksgiving? I would. I just think that's such a riot. Um, Sure, retailers began to notice in the middle of the 20th century 
that Thanksgiving marked the beginning of the Christmas holiday. Black Friday, anyone? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And, of course, nowadays we we talk about Black Friday. Right. um, um, uh, But uh, as early as 1939, retailers were lobbying Franklin Roosevelt to um, move the date of Thanksgiving back a little earlier in November. The, in, 1939, Thanksgiving was going to fall on November 30th. And they thought, oh, that's really late. Maybe we can get him to move it back up uh, one week and extend the holiday shopping period by one week. And he did. He did do that. And every, lots of people just howled and complained. And, you know, that it didn't go off very well. So we, we finally settled on the, the current uh, day. Uh, on that one, that that same, it's the fourth Thursday uh, of November. Right. That's that's the settled date. Well, and they, I mean, they laughed at him and called. They actually um, scathing reviews and called it Franksgiving rather than Thanksgiving. Um, that's right. Shows his own day. Right. Now you know this whole holiday shopping thing. We don't have much of a good perspective on that, but I have read newspaper articles from the mid eighteen hundreds where. You know the newspaper editors were deploring um, the you know, the commercialization of holidays, saying such thing as, "For heaven's sakes, people are Christmas shopping as early as December fifteenth." Oh, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> well, as long as everyone does still stop and take that break for one day of thanks on Thanksgiving, I think that's that's you know we can abide by all of these early shopping days. Um, some of the but some of the early dishes i mean i know we all realize that um thanksgiving dishes and menus have have changed dramatically over the years um but even some of the uh thanksgiving dinners in the early 1900s would have found um many different dishes i mean the well in, in many parts of the country oysters still do make an appearance but oysters were a major part of thanksgiving dinners were they not yeah that's right sure that's the starter course a nice um, oyster soup or an oyster stew to start. Mm-hmm. Nothing better. Lovely way to start a meal. And yeah. put some in your stuffing, too. That's good. Yes, <laughs> yes. Good for that, too. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, when I look at early stuffing recipes, I think I see a little more um, variability than I do nowadays. And nowadays, you know, I think an awful lot of our stuffings are driven by what's convenient to get from a package. And people like that, and that's fine. But, you know, there were a lot more wrinkles on stuffing in the past that you know people could enjoy mm-hmm. well and i think as long as people what i love is is how um immigrants have taken to america have taken this to be a, one of their favorite holidays as well and they celebrate with with a, a passion and an abandon and i love how they bring many of their um their own dishes from their own countries into the celebration as well that's right they did what the first settlers did. They, you know, they recognized that this is a festival, so out comes all the festival food. Right. Yeah. Whatever yeah. your whatever your culture is uh, that calls for for festival food, then you you do you do the festival food of that culture. Right. So no one. And should... then you and then you tuck in a few of the, the American things as well. You I, you know the there is one side of Thanksgiving that's a little bit. I'm not quite sure how to term it, but you know, it was a bit of a of a of a tool to uh, manipulate immigrants into 
into acting like Americans. It was sort of a propaganda, if you will. Melting pot, which had a, which had a, yeah, the melting pot actually had a bad connotation in that regard. Yes, it did. Yeah, that's right. You know, it was sort of, well, if you really were a good American, if you were an honest-to-goodness American, you'd eat turkey on Thanksgiving. And kids picked this message up at school, um, took it home, and I have a feeling that there were some mothers out there who came from uh, wonderful cooking traditions, like Italian ones or even some of the um, other European traditions, and thought, you know... Oh, if we have perfectly good festive dishes, why do we have to have this turkey on the table? Right, right. But that was it, you know, that's what Americans did. So, oh, all right, we'll have a turkey on the table. And that's still true, even though, you know, some of the the cultures that have, have come to this country in the in more recent times are not accustomed to having one massive hunk of meat on the table under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my my, uh, my co-author Kathleen talked about a, a group of people in Boston who got together for Thanksgiving, and they kind of drew they drew um, pieces of paper that said what they would be bringing to the feast. And a Jamaican woman uh, got the turkey, and so she went to the market. She bought the turkey, um, and she instructed the butcher to cut it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lots of pieces. And when Kathleen told told me that, I went. <gasps> <laughs> And you know, it probably... I'm so used to this big piece of meat on the table, this whole bird presentation. Um, But she had this perfectly lovely Jamaican dish that she made out of whacked up turkey. She brought that to the dinner. And it probably probably cooked very evenly and tasted wonderful. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of the dishes that might be found on a main table with your new book, Main Home Cooking. Do you have any particular festive dishes in there that would be used to celebrate Thanksgiving? Well, you know, <laughs> okay, we do the Yankee thing up here, you know, unless you're a very sophisticated person and read the New York Times or the Boston Globe or, you know, get subscribed to Sever or uh, America's uh, Cooks, Cooks Illustrated or one of those uh, Chances are what you're going to have is a turkey with some bread stuffing. We don't do cornbread stuffing very much in the north. You're going to mash potatoes with gravy. You might have turnips or squash or and or squash. You probably would have sweet potatoes. Uh, the grocery stores are full of sweet potatoes. I hate to say how many people like to put marshmallows on those. Mm. Um, I think there are still a few diehards around here that like to have creamed onions. Uh and then, uh, you know, rolls to go with it. And that green bean casserole, which has become the new standard for the last half century or so. Um, followed by at least an apple pie and pumpkin pie, if not a mincemeat pie. A fair number of Maine families, especially the rural ones with a hunting tradition and a hunter in the family, still make mincemeat using deer meat. It's a... Uh, the neck is particularly desirable mm. for for making um, for making uh, mincemeat. Um, though you can certainly use other parts as well. So uh, there's still some people out there eating traditional mincemeat, and uh, that will appear in a pie on the table as well. Um, do you have a recipe for mincemeat, traditional mincemeat, in your new book? No, I oh, don't. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, you'll have to get giving thanks for the traditional mincemeat. That's the right. The traditional mincemeat 
giving thanks. And I just, I uh, wanted to, you've mentioned Kathleen a couple times, and I, I forgot to mention her yeah. name. Sandy is um, the author, along with Kathleen Curtin, of Giving Thanks. And uh, Plymouth Pant- Plantation, this was, um, you were doing some work with them. Uh, Kathleen was a food historian for Plymouth Pan- Plantation, was she not? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Kathleen and I were good friends and colleagues. And uh, when she had, in my very first book, Saltwater Foodways, I dedicated a whole chapter to the history of Thanksgiving in New England. And she, having represented Plymouth Plantation in the 17th century, what happened in 1620s, for a really long time, didn't feel... Um, like she had as firm a handle on the Victorian Thanksgiving as I did. So when Plymouth Plantation proposed this book, she got in touch with me, and I took care of the 18th century and the 19th century. She did the 17th and 20th centuries. We had such a fine time writing that book. It's really a peach of a book. It is, it's so, and it's it's wonderful not only just as a, a terrific um, information and reference book, but the recipes are wonderful. I have to say, you did a really great job with the recipes as well. Oh, and the I, recipes are fabulous. I, yeah. So I can't wait to read, and I can't wait to read the recipes in your newest book, Maine Home Cooking. Sandy, Maine it's been cooking. a yeah, Sandy, it's been a pleasure. I'm so happy you were able to join me today, and I look forward to hearing more about what might be on your Thanksgiving table this year. Thank you for listening. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.